1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Real DNA Podcast, where, as per usual, I discuss with my guests what it is that has made them who they are, so what their DNA is all about. Today, I have a great pleasure to talk to and discuss not only his cooking skills with one of the best and most respected players of all time, Sir Andy Murray. Alrighty, well Andy, thank you so much for your time. I know you've been quite busy lately with your preseason training uh, already. First of all, tell me, how did you like your TV funding reference? Uh, we really enjoyed that the last couple of days. Is that something you might be interested in one day?
2: Um, you know, the stuff that I like, I, I did a little bit of commentary once um, at Wimbledon and I did an amazing match with, it was Nadal and Del Potro um it was a brilliant match but i didn't i didn't like sitting in the booth for that long what i what i do enjoy doing like i like and analyzing matches and stuff and talking about strategy and tactics and stuff so i I like that side of things not so much the kind of yeah the, the, the the commentary um side of things so i don't know maybe maybe when i finish um maybe when I finish playing one day but I'm 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 not sure it depends depends what i would depends what i would have to do how, how do you enjoy it
1: i same thing when you have to sit around for and those are long hours uh, so that's the that's the tough part, but like you said, analyzing the technical the tactical aspect that's i think where we enjoy that and uh, I have to say you've done incredible job and we all appreciated it very much, so definitely something you should consider one day. Um, talking about the media it's part of our job of a tennis professional is that something you've enjoyed over the years doing or you kind of try to keep a distance from all of that
2: Uh, so when I first started on the tour I quite liked it I didn't mind it um, because I was young and like i just sort of said what i thought and i didn't think that much about what i was saying and i think a lot of the especially in the the british press you know they seemed to enjoy that at the beginning but then i had a few issues like early in my career where i'd said things that maybe i shouldn't have said some things that i had intended to be jokes were turned into something different that that were very serious and yeah actually caused me quite a lot of issues for for a number of years and then i started to feel very anxious and nervous about doing you know interviews press conferences especially things that were um i don't know like like doing something like this for example like now like i i i like it i know that it's comfortable and that we're you know nothing nothing bad's going to happen but sometimes there was a few interviews that I did where I just I don't know made me feel feel uncomfortable and um probably in the middle part of my career I didn't enjoy it so much whereas now um you know I'm fine with it the 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 latter part of my career I, I didn't mind it um I didn't mind it so much and um yeah it's fine but there was definitely a period in my career where I struggled with it and I felt very you know like I said anxious and I didn't really know how to how to act and how to behave and yeah it was it was tough
1: it's such a good point you make actually because sometimes you know, we just talk like these two friends and then when you see what comes out of that in the paper <laughs> you go like wow <laughs> where did that yeah. come from <laughs> um yes yeah, so uh how were you able to actually deal with that incredible pressure you had on your shoulders i can't even imagine because the rest of us you know we come to england for one month of the year yes there are a few things written but then we go home where you have this like 12 months all the time
2: yeah so it was uh, yeah like i said i did find it difficult but then i started to um my way of dealing with it was to just be quite um well let's say boring i guess like i never gave away too much detail and never said anything maybe that was uh i don't know that controversial or anything like that so it just became yeah, part of my job, which I think is a bit of a shame, because I think, um, I don't think I'm the only player that has, has felt that way, but I sometimes think that, um, yeah, that the sport loses out a little bit, um, because players maybe don't show, like, all of their personality or share all of their, all of their thoughts, and I also, you know, I think that I feel like in tennis, we do too many interviews, um, and too many press conferences, like, you know, I've done one after every single match I've played in my whole career, apart from maybe five or 10, which has been, I think I've played like 800 matches. And we do one after every single, yeah, like I say, every match we play. And I think it just, I don't know, they become a bit boring sometimes. Whereas I think in other sports, that's not always not always the case. And I think that that, that would make things a little bit more interesting. But yeah, my way of dealing with it and and to sort of i guess take less pressure off myself was just to um yeah it was just to give kind of quite bland generic answers and it helped but yeah probably came across as me sometimes maybe not being as interested as uh, I should have been which wasn't necessarily the case i just didn't want to say something that would create me you know take energy away from what i was trying to do on the court basically
1: Yeah, it's so true. It's like we almost build kind of a wall because... And then we get criticized for that, that they want to see more emotions. Then we do that. And then, you know, things are taken completely out of context. So, yeah, it's such a good point you make. Uh, Talking about more detailed, I will ask you something very specific that interests me so much that uh, you said a couple of days ago, you want to come back stronger and fitter than ever.
2: Mm.
1: That is, um, to me the thing i admire the most about you honestly and i can't even imagine how that is possible because knowing how i felt towards you know the older i was getting it's just so hard so please explain me a little bit how do you even go about this
2: so obviously like from throughout my career there's certain um like physical challenges that i've had for myself or certain sessions that i've done when i've been kind of at my fittest and um you know certain exercise i do in the gym that like like with weights it's quite easy to tell like on a certain exercise like the best i've done at that is you know 200 kilos three times for example so you know there's been like key certain exercises that i'm i'm doing which i've been doing throughout my whole career where Yes, it's it's very difficult to as you get older to obviously get fitter and stronger and those things. But like this off season for me, usually my off-seasons have been, you know, four or five weeks, whereas this time it's ten weeks. Um so it's giving me the opportunity to 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 work on those things. The, the the one thing that hasn't got to the level that it used to be yet is the speed, um, mm-hmm. which I spoke about as well. And that's the the one thing that maybe won't get to to where it was but all of the other things like the strength and the the endurance and those things like they 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 can um so yeah i'm wanting to to give these last few years like the best shot um that i have because actually when i came back and played like in new york and the uh at the us open like i felt really really good like physically on the court my tennis wasn't as i would have liked but then i you know i picked up this injury after my first match in in New York, and then it kind of ruined my the the end of the year for me. And I just don't want that to don't want that to happen again. Obviously, it could, but the best way to avoid that is obviously to get as strong as possible and get as fit as possible to try and reduce the the chances of it. So I can give the next few years a good go. So that's kind of yeah what I want to do, and um, yeah, hopefully hopefully it works out.
1: Where do you find the drive and motivation that I keep saying on and on uh, on TV that to me you are the best example, not only in tennis, in all the sports, after everything you've achieved, to still have that same drive?
2: Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't, there's definitely been times over the last few years where I lost that, like, um, yeah, just because of the injuries and stuff like I... <sighs> yeah and I hadn't been working as hard as what I needed to and I think that's like as you get older you need to obviously there's certain things that you can do differently but you almost need to work harder to stay in shape like and spend more time like with your physio and stuff like afterwards to to feel to feel good um but yeah I think just in the last sort of two or three months I actually I got on um I got on this machine that measures your body fat um after the french open and it wasn't good (laughs) oh come on you and
1: body fat i can't believe you are actually complaining here.
2: (laughs) so what it, it wasn't good in comparison to what i'd done when i was younger and actually you know it was something like as simple as that where i was like like come on andy you need to just get back to like You know, I'd been working fairly hard, but I could have done much better and I could have been eating healthier and I could have been sleeping better. And it's like, I was like, come on, like if I may never get back to being number one in the world, but I want to do everything that I did when I was number one in the world to give myself the best chance to see what I can achieve. And that was, yeah, I was incredibly professional. I worked hard. I ate properly, slept well. Um and yeah that's that's kind of what started this latest kind of change in in mentality. It was something as small as that, which, like you say, I know I'm not like very overweight or anything, but it was just something like that. I got on there, and I was like, no, like you should be you should be in better shape, you should have less body fat, you should be eating better and stuff so that was that was it something as small as small as that. It wasn't what someone said to me or a match that I lost or whatever it was yeah just that's what it was
1: so funny it's it's the perception we have of ourselves i know exactly yeah. what you mean i yeah. i did that test also uh, a year ago and when you are used to what it used to be and then yeah. you <laughs> and see the number i'm like oh my god you know everyone yeah. thinks i'm fit but it's like yes i go for a 10 mile run but that's it so yeah. in our head it's like oh my god this is so embarrassing but um after you said um that you want to be fitter and stronger i was like i'm i'm actually debating of. Just for myself, try to do the same and give myself maybe two, three months of proper training. And if I do that, you will be the one to blame when I get and tired. They,
2: oh. well, and, and make a comeback at the end. No,
1: no, 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 <laughs> I, I would just do the, do the training part just to see okay. physically yeah. uh, whether it's possible or not. So I think yeah. you are not motivating, you know, so many athletes, athletes out there, but also normal people. Like you said, it's about being in the best shape and the best version of yourself. Yeah. So thank you yeah. for that. <laughs> sure. anyways let's move on to another subject it's um, almost december
2: mm-hmm.
1: when are we expecting your wonderful christmas jumper appearance
2: oh my christmas let's jumper appearance <laughs> that normally the christmas jumpers normally come out on christmas day or the following day because usually like in our family we get given like a terrible Well, I do anyway. I get given a terrible Christmas jumper every year, so yeah, it either comes from my wife or one of my uncles. This year, I'm obviously probably not going to be able to spend it with like our whole family, Um, so yeah, it'll be up to my wife to pick a bad one, uh, pick a bad one for me. But yeah, I've had some some brilliant, brilliant jumpers. Uh, Yeah, brilliant jumpers over the year, which I keep in my. I've got them all in my closet
1: we need you to do the training in them that would be
2: really yeah oh, yes. i'm, I'm those, expecting that there's <laughs> such terrible like quality like they're like itchy they feel awful to have on so i only keep Imagine them on sweating for, in like, it. Yeah. <laughs> i know i normally only keep them on for like the dinner um and then maybe a, a picture and then yeah i get them off because they, they're awful they're like you know really cheap terrible terrible tops
1: um, you mentioned Kim there, and obviously it's a cliche to say, but behind every man's success there is obviously a wonderful ma- uh, woman as well. Um, I want you to go back 20 years ago, isn't isn't it?
2: Where uh, did you guys it's meet qu- Exactly, time? it's close. We from when we met, it was 15, yeah. it's a, it's yeah like 15 years ago. 15, no, no, years. More.
1: I take the credit for that, Cape Town.
2: Yeah so we yeah yeah we, yeah so we met I was I'm 33 now and we met when I was 18
1: No wait th- th- no cuz we were doing the pre-season with Nige yeah. and there was 3,000.
2: No no couldn't have been too, this must have been the second time you worked with Nige
1: Ah okay. yeah. we didn't go to Cape
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, no, because we, we were deaf. <laughs> we were deaf. I, I would remember if I'd met her when we were thirteen, but yeah, I met her. Um, yeah, I met her when we were eighteen. Um, Thank you, Tom. So we, we met the first time we ever met was a few months beforehand in New York at the U.S. Open. That was the very okay. first time I played in New York at the U.S. Open, and um, I, I I think Nigel was there. Nigel was there with you. But we went for dinner one night with um, Nige and his family and uh, my culture's family, uh, Petch, Petch's family and stuff, and that was where we first met. And then, uh, and then yeah, we obviously in Cape Town. Yeah, a few months. Yeah, a few months later was kind of when it got more serious.
1: All I'm saying that I wanted to take a little bit of yeah.
2: time.
1: You were not in Cape Town doing the preseason.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, it was yeah, so that was yeah, that, that was when it yeah, it became pretty, pretty serious because after then like I was going away for a few months, so we weren't gonna see each other, obviously like with the Australian Open and stuff. And then yeah, that was kind of when we decided like to make a make it a thing, really. So and yeah, worked out it's worked out well.
1: What are some of the things because of the lockdown that as a family you had to kind of learn because you are not on the road, you are more often home.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, so that the hardest part, um, the beginning part of lockdown was actually fine because, you know, we're lucky that we have like a garden and outside space and things. And, you know, we're fortunate that we we had that, um, you know, so we could at least be outside with the kids and stuff. but the hardest part for sure was the online, the online learning so doing the schooling at home as parents um, because you're obviously not trained um, in how to how to teach them certain things and you know my eldest daughter was starting to learn to you know to write and stuff like that and you know there's a specific way that they teach those things and she was getting very frustrated with us and it's difficult as parents to i don't know yeah just to just to keep supporting them and and stuff and stay calm um which we i think for the most part we we did well um but yeah i learned more in the lockdown about the things that i couldn't do um i'm not very good at many things unfortunately um (laughs) you know like my daughter is like they're asking me to like draw things for them and paint things like animals and my wife is brilliant at uh painting and art um and i mean i'm useless i tried a bit of cooking which was okay Mm. but i need i I need to stick to like a specific recipe and i will not (laughs) deviate from it there's no flair. there's no you know adding things that aren't you know on the recipe to make it taste better like and like i I don't know how to um you (laughs) Like let's say it says okay, this meal will take thirty minutes. I have no idea how to adjust that. You know, like if it's going wrong, like if I'm making a sauce and it's not thick enough, like what I should be doing to, to change that. So I just blame the recipe if it goes wrong. Um,
1: just like yeah. in the match, blame the coach.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So.
1: Well, I think you're a little bit harsh on yourself there that um, you are in so many things because I'm sure whatever you do, you want to do it it's to the perfection, just like with everything. Um, I'm glad you open up that subject because the last question I wanted to ask you, um, so my podcast is called The DNA.
2: Yeah.
1: And because I ask all my guests uh, what they feel their real DNA is that tennis has given you and something that you would like to transfer to your kids as well
2: yes it's a great question and something that a lot of times when i've worked with like psychologists like they've asked me questions that has been like right well if if you have a kid one day what would you tell them in this situation to try to help like teach yourself and like for me i had always thought for quite large parts of my career the only thing that was important was winning and losing which obviously in sport yeah, I mean you could argue that that is the most important thing but I learned that it's actually about if if you work hard and give your best so try as hard as you can then the outcome doesn't matter as much you can co- you can handle that outcome much better if you've d- done everything that you can um you can accept maybe just not achieving what what you want and I kind of always because obviously at the age that my kids are at, like winning and losing, it is the difference between like, you know, being in a good mood and crying for 10 minutes. And I'm always trying to kind of teach them, like, it's okay if you lose, providing you did, did you try your hardest? And, you know, did you give your best? And that's kind of, yeah, what I try to, what I try to teach them, um, along with, you know, good manners and, (laughs) you know, and, and all of those things. But I think, yeah, for me, like, I definitely learned that as I went on in my career, and hope that that's something that I don't know players and people that have watched me would say like at the end of my career that I did work as hard as I could and that I did try my best and yeah, there's maybe some tournaments that I you know I wish I could have won or whatever that that I didn't, um, but I definitely I definitely gave my best effort. So I can when I finish, I think I'll be proud of that, and you know hopefully won't have too many yeah too many regrets
1: brilliant Andy. thank you so much and i hope that giving your best will last as long as you wish
2: yeah and thank we you can
1: see an exciting 2021 from you yeah
2: thanks yeah you all
1: i hope you have enjoyed today's episode and getting to know my guest a bit better if you feel like it to subscribe to us so you don't miss any of the action also let me know your comments or suggestions on my social media channels and have a lovely rest of your day bye
0: slash compatibility.